thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. The following is a high five moment from HighFiveCasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won. Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing High Five Casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! I won again. I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high five moment today? Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash covers your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized, soft and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. For the third year, Olay Body is a proud sponsor of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride and supporter of the LGBTQ plus community. So this pride glow with confidence, not just all month, but all year long. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six X visit tomboyx.com. What's uh, again, L Ronning my Hubbard's it's part two of the L Ron <laughs> Hubbard's death episodes. Woo. My guests as with last time, Abe Epperson, Michael Swain. None of you will have noticed the joke in that, but I pointed to the wrong person. It did not translate visually. Hilarious. Another thing that's not going to translate visually is me getting ready the next product I'm going to throw during this episode. I'm tired of the bagels. So Robert took out his big knife, and and now he's stabbing a plastic of a many, many Kleenex boxes. He pulled one off. I'm going to be throwing Kleenex boxes, and I'm going to throw the first one. And it went to the window, right between us. Right between you. Went to the windows and to the walls. walls. Yeah. And if you know the rest of that song, you know why we need so much Kleenex. Yeah. We got a 10-pack. He's dragging a 10-pack of ten throwing pack. It is a boxes. lot of Kleenex. That is a lot of Kleenex. I will throw all of them by the end of this episode. I thought you were going to pop open one of those bad boys and throw individual Kleenex, but that's not no, as impactful. That does not have the impact of throwing a whole box of Kleenex. Is it important to you that the box be filled with Kleenex, or could it just be a box with a similar weight? I think I'm just going to throw a lot of stuff over the course of the rest of my career. Understood. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I, I, I like I like tossing. I like throwing yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. both good things both mm-hmm. fun get some salads in here for you <laughs> I, I would love to toss some salads uh, mm-hmm. hello mm-hmm. everyone on the early morning commute <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> welcome to robert and the pig and the other pig <laughs> it's your drive time zoo you know what i hate drive time zoo shows that was a good one sophie uh, who cleans up in here is it me oh it's you uh, it's sophie well She's got a sad face. We've already established the joke, so this is going to keep happening. And there's no way to stop it.
I can't. No yeah, I can't over exaggerate her lack of enthusiasm. <laughs> so far, you pick pretty easy things to clean up. Yeah. when it evolves to throwing confetti. Oh, this she's Christmas, gonna have a I'm just going to throw ornaments. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah right? shatter them against the walls. <laughs> just push glass everywhere. Just push pins everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> push pins like a Home Alone mm-hmm. that you bullets have made. Just whatever. Just bullets. <laughs> yeah, just I'd, toss them. I'd think someone who's barefoot so much of the time wouldn't want to scatter pointy things around the ground, but mm-hmm. okay. No, well, it's know. got those calluses. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. It's fine. You know what else is fine? Mm. L. Ron Hubbard's career. I disagree. A film <laughs> oh, I can't wait. This oh, shit it's just fine. So yeah. I might agree with that by the end. Oh, of course it's fine. <laughs> I mean, now, Abe, you do a, a, a quite a lot of directing on your own. Yes, so sir. I think you might pick up some tips and tricks. Oh, I'm going to learn from, I'm from gonna, the master. My next set, oh, it's going to be bad. <laughs> Because this is a master class yeah, right this now. This is a master class right now. Everyone who listens to this episode will be qualified to direct a Hollywood production. Yes. Mm-hmm. It just takes this much. Mm-hmm. The Hollywood Hubbard Film School. The Hubbard Film hosted School. Hosted by Behind the Best. It really does only take that much if you also have millions and millions of dollars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, like, yes. Literally infinite money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, life on the run is not good for anyone's health. Despite his vast wealth and the opulent surroundings of the La Quinta Ranch where he hid out in Southern California, by early 1977, Hubbard's lifestyle was catching up with him again. Anne Rosenblum, who trained to be a messenger during this period, was horrified by his appearance when she first met him. Quote, The first night I was there, I didn't talk to LRH since he was busy, but I saw him. He had long reddish-gray hair down past his shoulders, rotting teeth, and a really fat gut. He didn't look anything like his pictures. The next day I met him, he was doing exercises in his courtyard and called me over. I was nervous meeting him. I was really surprised that I didn't feel this electric something or other that I was told happens when you are around him. So these were in the last days before the FBI dragnet closed down around uh, Mary Sue Hubbard and all of uh, L. Ron's people Mm -hmm. with the Guardian's office. And Mary Sue became extra protective of her husband during this period. Her dogs, which were said to be clear, guarded him at all times. If they barked at you, it was a sign that you were secretly committing crimes against the Hubbards or had done so in a past life. Oh, that's not going to stoke his paranoia (laughs) anytime the dog barks. That mailman is an agent (laughs) who opposes the church. (laughs) What happens when the dog barks at him? Yeah, or, oh, oh shit. I, I don't think the dogs stay around if they bark at him. Yeah. yeah. They that, just have new dogs on deck. Yeah. <laughs> that dog toy is a suppressive person. Who mm. knew? Mm. Now, Elron continued to innovate his tech during this period. His main interest was the purification rundown, which he viewed as a cure for drug addiction. This was an evolution of Hubbard's GUK vitamin treatment, which we talked about during the first three-parter. Today, the purification rundown is a popular Scientology treatment that involves massive doses of vitamins in a sweat lodge. In Oklahoma, it killed four people over the course of three years. Hubbard developed this treatment based on what he believed were the effects of LSD on the body. According to Jim Kalki, one of uh, Hubbard's longtime helpers, quote, all the information came from one person who had taken LSD once. That was how he did his research. What's it like? It's pretty chill, dude. All right, it's going in the book. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) This is my shit right here. Honestly, it was... It was good. (laughs) Now, Hubbard became convinced that the purification rundown was going to cure all of the world's drug addictions. He decided this achievement had clearly earned him a Nobel Prize, and he wrote out an order to his PR officer authorizing the expenditure of unlimited funds to win him the Nobel Prize he so clearly deserved. This, he... He didn't. He didn't get a Nobel Prize. Oh, really? Turns turns out it's kind of hard to bribe no, these guys. Sh- <laughs> you can't say that. It's canon. <laughs> I do think you know if the listeners of this podcast want to get me a Nobel Prize, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. will do drugs off of it. That's what I was. Would you rather get a Nobel Prize for stopping all drug use? You personally? Yeah. 
or just have listeners send you some drugs? Oh, I would I would rather get the Nobel Prize. And then okay. I, I, I've got a blacksmith, so I'd take the Nobel Prize to my blacksmith and have it forged into a crack pipe. Yeah, and, no, uh, and then Nobel, I would begin smoking and I crack. Nobel peace pipe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nobel, yeah. <laughs> Except Nobel for, peace pipe. It's, if you want to see me throwing some stuff, you, you yeah. give me some crack and a Nobel peace pipe. Comes yeah. with it a won't cash be peaceful. prize. As well, I think the Nobel Peace Prize. At least. <laughs> and you know where that yeah. cash prize is all going to be spent? Yeah, yeah under correct. a bridge, filling um, up that pipe. <laughs> you're going to get shivved for your golden pipe. <laughs> so yes. just gonna... that's gone. Yeah, yeah that's gone. That's what happens under bridges. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not going to be great. Now. Um, Hubbard transferred from La Quinta to a hideout in Sparks, Nevada after the FBI crashed down on Operation Snow White. All contact with the Guardian's office and the Hubbard family was suspended, and LRH relied on his child messengers to deliver his words to and from church leadership. On May 25th, 1977, Star Wars launched to a world of unsuspecting moviegoers. Here we go! It made, conservatively, (laughs) all the money, and changed both Hollywood and the world forever. Now, I don't know if L. Ron Hubbard ever actually saw Star Wars. I kind of doubt it because he was a horrible narcissist who probably never read or watched anyone else's science fiction. Right. But it's possible. I know he read a lot of Harlan Ellison, who's my favorite sci-fi. He definitely, yeah. We're like personal friends, and I guess, you know, you feel the guilt or like you have to, but... You you imagine the one person who could get along with L. Ron Hubbard? Of course it's Harlan Ellison. (laughs) But it's just weird that if you, I mean... He seems to really like sci-fi. Yeah. So he may have how could he it. resist? Yeah. It's it's hard to like I don't know if he ever saw it, but he definitely paid attention to its financial success. From July to December of 1977, while hiding out in Sparks, Nevada, he worked feverishly on the screenplay for a feature film, Revolt in the Stars. This was a dramatization of one so of the Star Wars. Yeah, it's a war that does occur a, in the stars. Yeah, a Star Wars, if you will. Yeah, a Star Wars, if you will. This was a dramatization of one of the highest level Scientology training courses, the OT three information or operating theta. It's going to give that shit away. Oh. Yeah, you had to pay a hundred grand for that, that. There's actually some weird stuff regarding that, which we'll get to here. So the rough plot was that an evil space dictator, Xenu, murdered seventy six planets worth of aliens, sucked in their frozen ghosts to Earth, and blew them up with nuclear bombs strapped to volcanoes. Yeah. Frozen is such a great word yeah. choice. Yeah. Like ghosts. Frozen ghosts. Ghosts are water vapor. Ghosts are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they all have swords. Yeah. yeah. You can freeze a ghost. Forged in mortar. <laughs> oh my God. I just figured out how we can solve global warming. Huh. All right. Wait. Freeze the, ghosts. The people least likely to believe in global warming are also probably going to be the most superstitious people in the country. So okay. the most likely, I'm going to guess global warming deniers also have a high tendency to believe of in ghosts. Of magical thinking. Yeah. You convince them. Mm-hmm. That if the ice caps melt, all of the ghosts will be freed. Ooh. I think we have a plan here. Then we got a problem. Then and we then got, we got a plan. And we got a plan. We got to cool down the world to keep the ghosts frozen. Keep the ghosts yes. frozen. Dictators need to never stop doing whatever drug they did right. as a child. Yeah. Right. And there are ghosts in the North Pole. There are yeah. ghosts in the North Pole, and they will kill us if we don't freeze them. These are the myths of our time that we need to embrace that mm-hmm. will help us. <laughs> it's like that. I saw a post where someone, some anti-vaxxer was talking about how you can actually make vaccines safe if you rub a potato on the vaccine injection site. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, okay, just tell them that. Tell them that. <laughs> tell them well, that. If it works. Yeah, vaccinate your kids and rub them with a potato. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Just release all of Dan Aykroyd's books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ten years later, the potato flu decimates the population <laughs> yeah. of North America. 
Uh, Hot potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> that will be the last Fox News Chiron before everyone yeah. dies. <laughs> potatoes are too hot. Yeah. We caught ghosts the hot potato and the round is over. Oh, boy. Potato versus ghost. <laughs> now, if you've paid attention to anything I've said about L. Ron Hubbard over the last five hours or so of podcasts about the fucker, you know that he's literally incapable of giving up on any single idea he ever had. Now, Y'all remember Excalibur, the book Hubbard claimed to have written in 1938 that he said was so profound it caused people to commit suicide instantly after <laughs> yeah. reading it and yes, had to that's, be locked that's away from the world? how I know the words Excalibur it's, from, yeah. is that. It's, well, yeah, it's like the Monty Python, the funniest joke that you can't see. But with psychology, yeah. Yeah, philosophy. The second you go mad, or right? Mm-hmm. I just yeah. love, would that be good? That's <laughs> not a feather in your cap. You're like... This guy read my book and committed suicide right after. I think that means it's super good. <laughs> I yeah, kind of want that Comic-Con yeah. panel. Yeah. We have today a George R. R. Martin and the guy who wrote the book that makes everyone kill themselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, my name is L. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Should so, we go? Uh, 40 years after his claims about Excalibur started, Hubbard made the same claims about the OT3 course materials. Scientologists weren't exposed to the Xenu story until they were several years and thousands of dollars into the religion already. That's because, according to Hubbard, learning the story of Xenu would cause death in a matter of days. According to Tony Ortega, a former Scientologist who's now an activist against the church, quote, if we follow his logic, his intention in writing it was to produce a film that, if shown to the world, would kill off all the non-OT3 part of the population. Oh, man. (laughs) Film genocide. It's the biblical flood. Yeah. For everyone who's not hasn't paid me enough money to be at this level, Dude, he's gonna make a movie to kill everybody. He's gonna make a fucking Passion of the Ron. <sighs> I'm firmly convinced, and of course, there's no way to prove that at every step, a large chunk of him knows that, and he's it's probably the thing he's most shit. proud of. Yeah, look at how I built a billion dollar empire on nothing. On nonsense. I'm proud of that. So I don't think he wrote it thinking this will kill everyone, yeah, it but just, it's still. <laughs> Every detail of his life is better if you assume he believed his own bullshit. It is. Yeah. yeah and I, I, I think he started to at a certain point. You don't, I don't know how you don't mix it up you, at some point. You don't make the kids search for gold for months mm-hmm. on, on like cramped sailing vessels. If you don't yeah. really believe they might find some. Like, and some of the paranoid shit he did, you're like, yeah. well, that's not fabricated. He's really grappling with paranoia. Yeah, he's point. definitely yeah. paranoid. <laughs> I imagine like little Elron, Lil Ron, yeah, uh, like going to the ice cream truck and like say, saying to the guy selling the ice cream, like you know that popsicles are ghosts, and he goes, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh. He's like, oh my god, that worked. That I know what my <laughs> yeah. life is. Yeah. Oh god, I do like to think about like what would happen if this movie was made and did what Hubbard said it would do, and like everyone who watched it killed themselves because like you right. would have conversations with your friends where they'd be like, you know, there's that new movie that makes everybody kill themselves. You want to go see it? Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, I, I kind of do. Actually, I, I do kind of. Yeah. I like. I love life, but also I have the AMC Movie Pass. I gotta use it on something. Yeah, I gotta use it on something. <laughs> and I am dying to know the details. I, there's nothing good I gotta on know Netflix anymore. On. And yeah, let's watch just, the murder movie. Also, yeah. what a weird experience if. You came into the room late, and everyone is dead. Yeah. But there's one person, and you're like, "Ew, you're an OT3 in Scientology. Yeah. Yeah. I did not know that." <laughs> and they're like, "I know. I'm sorry." 
So another thing that Ortega notes in his article about Revolt in the Stars is that John Travolta is still to this day uh, expressing a desire to make the movie into a major Hollywood production, which may mean that John Travolta secretly wants to commit mass planetary genocide. <laughs> yes, at the yeah. very least. He knows that fact. <laughs> yeah, the idea that John Travolta is trying to wipe out all life on Earth that's not Scientology is now my favorite conspiracy theory. Right. Yeah. I also believe that now, probably thanks to the popularity of this podcast, some group of nerds who I mm-hmm. will love forever, forever, will find this and shoot it on their phones and send it to us. Shoot mm-hmm. bastards, pants, the forty yeah, percent. it. Yeah. Please make the movie that kills everyone. <laughs> Which is make... basically he just thought of the ring. Yeah. <laughs> the ring, but for everyone. For everyone, yeah. And and just just as as sort of future payment to whoever does shoot Revolt in the Stars, I'm gonna throw another box of Kleenex. All right. <laughs> Mazel Tov. <laughs> Number three. That's a Scientology thing, right? Yep, I think so. Uh, Ortega apparently read through the script for Revolt Among the Stars, which I think you can find if you really look for it. Uh, and he summed up its plot this way. Quote, in the script Hubbard wrote for the movie, the character Rawl, clearly based on Hubbard himself, takes on the might of various two-dimensional characters with single-syllable names, Chi and Min, who have wandered out of an episode of Flash Gordon. The uh, screenplay apparently ends on these lines, as the evil Xenu is strapped into a prison inside of one of the volcanoes he previously bombed to murder space ghosts. Mm. Wetting his dry, cracked lips, Xenu looked up at the doctor, some terror showing in his glazed eyes. These devices keep one alive forever? Don't talk snapped the doctor. A guard stepped forward. Don't talk to the prisoner! Despairing, Zinu rolled his eyes. How long is forever? No one answered. No one knew. Well, yeah. <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> fuck are you even talking about? I mean, it sounds like... Uh, I've been to film school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there's, there's quite a bit of scripts that are uh, suspicious of this type of writing. By yeah. the way, when your movie Revolt Among the Stars comes out, everyone's going to refer to it as rats. <laughs> so good yeah. luck with that. <laughs> now... Hubbard's dream was to make the movie himself and add George Lucas to his list of accomplishments alongside aviation pioneer, treasure hunter, prophet, and surprisingly good at sex. Mm -hmm. This gradually expanded into a desire to add a whole film production wing to the Church of Scientology, the Cine Org. A 10-acre ranch around La Quinta was purchased, codenamed Monroe, and turned into housing for the production staff for L. Ron Hubbard's new film company slash cult. The studio was built on a 140-acre grapefruit farm that the church also purchased. Cool. How do you give cool. notes when you're in a call? Like if everyone acting in it there, and producing it is on set? There are no notes. Yeah. You, d- like, you do what he tells you. <clears throat> actually, also, does the screen- I actually think the set's a little uh, a little gaudy right now. That's suppressive, dude. That's yeah, suppressive that's, right you're there. Being a suppressive so person. if the movie kills everyone, though, like does the screenplay just like paralyze them? Or is it the, like, what stage is the magic, like, kill yourself? Well, all of these people are OT3, so they can handle So they it. can do whatever yeah. they want. I bet his plan was to do the opposite. Let the movie come out, no one dies, and then say, see, you're all Scientologists, so you don't no. even know it. And you gotta pay me 40 <laughs> yeah. grand. 40 chess, I see yeah. <laughs> Now, um, yeah, so they, they, they buy several different giant ranches to add to their already mm-hmm. giant ranch and turn into a film production studio. Now, according to the book Barefaced Messiah, quote, lights, dollies, cameras, and a vast range of technical equipment were all moved into the new studio. Hubbard took to wearing a cowboy hat, suspenders, and a bandana, which yes. he imagined gave him an artistic mien appropriate yes. to a film director. <laughs> the Cine Org was to cut its teeth making simple promotional films illustrating various situations in which Scientology could be used beneficially. Hubbard wrote all the scripts and knew exactly what he wanted. Constantly biting into a raw grapefruit. He yeah. just carries at all times. <laughs> Throwing grapefruit. This is like Talk he's Hunter S. Thompson right now. He is. Hunter would 
would be shooting at people. Right, yeah, right. Hunter but would, would have absolutely cameras. shot at people. Yeah, but he's he's using cameras. So Hubbard knew what he wanted, but found out that it was it's really hard to make movies. <laughs> like it's just kind of a difficult thing to do. And so uh, his first productions did not all go well. Now some of this had to do with the fact that the random assortment of people who'd found the Church of Scientology compelling did not all possess the incredibly specific technical know-how yeah. necessary to make to films. Make movies. <laughs> Now, I want to note that this had been true of L. Ron Hubbard's Navy, too, and they'd sort of faked it until they'd made it. Yeah. But it turns out that the same strategy does not work with movie making, thus answering forever the age-old question, is it harder to captain a boat or man a boom mic? Ooh. It's harder to man a boom mic. Apparently. <clears throat> easier, easier to get random people to be part of a Navy. Well, there's no, because you can drop depth charges and say you hit something, <laughs> yeah. and that's fine. When you're shooting a movie, if you don't get the scene, it's not in the it, footage. It's just yeah. not they listen to it and say, uh, this is shitty sound. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the church put out a call to any members of the faith who had even vaguely relevant experience in the film industry. The best they could do was Adele and Ernie Hartwell, championship ballroom dancers who had taken a few courses and were told that the Cine Org would be their path into the Scientology elite. They were not impressed upon their arrival to the Cine Org. Ernie later recalled, I was absolutely shocked to see everyone running around in shorts, ragged clothes, dirty and unkempt. They put us in a little three-room shack on the edge of the ranch. We go inside and what a mess. The place was overrun with bugs and insects. Adele said, quote, the main thing I disliked was that when we first got there, we were programmed on the lies we had to tell. If we ran into one of our friends, we had to tell a lie to them and say that we were just there for a vacation. We were schooled on how to get away from process servers, FBI agents, and any government officials or any policemen who want anything to do with Hubbard. <laughs> Welcome to our production company. Jesus. Here's what you say to the yeah, FBI. Like, <laughs> I bet just it being in California, there's a fair chance... Some of these people probably would have gone to film school if they weren't broke from spending all their money on the Church of Scientology. I mean, they came from everywhere, though. Sure, he just sure. moved them to like you, had, you just had to go wherever you. He but they have all go. the money. Send some people to film school if yeah, you want to have uh, people great who... voices were squashed out <laughs> by L. Ron Hubbard's movie making enterprise. Hey, I want to see these cult people's movies. I do desperately <laughs> want to see these cult people's movies. You know what else I want to see, or at mm. least listen to. The fine products and services that have advertised on our show and or program. Oh, I love those. Yeah. I want to see them, but... Kind of fingers crossed that some Scientology I'll just close my eyes and imagine. Yeah. Our ads are randomly generated a lot of the time, so no. it is possible the Church of Scientology will advertise. If so, yes. I'm actually fine with that. <laughs> if, they, if they advertise on this episode, <laughs> totally down. I'm not. <laughs> I'm okay with it. <laughs> I don't know. If, if, if listening through all this, an ad for the Church of Scientology makes you decide, you know what? Yes, this That's is true. for me. <laughs> you clicked on this and yeah. you're like, but the ad really resonated. Yeah. yeah. All right. Products! My favorite spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. Wow, how have I been living like this? It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless, when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Wow, how have I been affording this? It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. Say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills, and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing 
existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash behind. That's mintmobile.com slash behind. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash behind. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to 15 bucks a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. High Five Casino Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those, too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. We're back, and Sophie is actually leaving the room. She's about to open the door, which is bad for sound quality, but good for what I like to call cinema verite, a term I invented for podcasts being true. We're really peeling back the podcasting curtain here. You invented that term. I did invent that term. The term loosely affiliated with podcasts. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hence the word cinema. And curtain. Well, you know, our... The main goal when you make a podcast is to uh, just broadcast to everyone else that, yes, you should also have a podcast. You should have a podcast. I won't rest till every there's as many podcasts as there are people. I want there to be twice as many podcasts as people. And until there are, I will continue to throw Kleenex boxes! Ah! <laughs> Very Summer angry. Four, right? I laugh, but it hit yeah. me in the throat. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what they say about throats, Michael. Products and no? services? It's the laziest oh. part of the body. <laughs> That's true. Mm-hmm. All right. We're back. Well, there's peristalsis, but... So, L. Ron Hubbard, (laughs) auteur director, was still desperately afraid of being brought in by a surprise police raid. A souped-up Dodge Dart with a full tank of gas was kept on standby 24-7 outside of his production facility. Just just (laughs) fuck it and run, car. (laughs) The director has a, like, I feel like everything we've said so far is applicable only to L. Ron Hubbard or Roman Polanski. (laughs) Every day, put a Philly cheesesteak on the dashboard and replace it the next day. I I might have to go at any moment. said he's like, it occurs to me that we should just have a table of disguises. (laughs) (laughs) They literally did. (laughs) All right. All right. Now, I don't know if any of y'all are aware of this, but auteur directors are not known to be mentally healthy people at the best of times. O. Ron Hubbard might have given a guy like Stanley Kubrick a run for his money in the crazy pants category. Stanley Kubrick finished movies, though. He did finish movies. <laughs> mm-hmm. Adele first met Hubbard when she was working in the wardrobe department and heard him start to scream at a group of his underlings. Quote, this is 
a quote of Hubbard directing, mm-hmm. so oh, pay I can't attention. Wait. You dirty goddamn sons of bitches. You're so goddamn stupid. Fuck you, you cocksuckers. It seemed to go on for several minutes. I had something in my hand and it fell to the floor. I said, Who in the world is that? They said it was the boss. We weren't allowed to use the name Hubbard for security reasons. You mean the leader of the church speaks like that? I asked. Oh, yes, was the reply. He doesn't believe in keeping anything back. Yeah, this is straight out of the book of a uh, USC school cinematic arts, yeah. actually. Yeah. You goddamn sons of bitches. Yeah. <laughs> Adele's first big job was makeup assistant on a Hubbard flick called The Unfathomable Man. It was a <laughs> modest project covering the entire history of the human race from the beginning of time to the modern era through the eyes of L. Ron Hubbard. Uh-huh, <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. I'm sorry. That's, <laughs> That's just a great title. What a title. <laughs> <laughs> you can't even think of it. What's the first thing you think? Well, he's a man. Well, I can think of a man. <laughs> no, no, you can't. No, you can't. Not this guy. Adele's recollections make it sound, rather surprisingly, like a Sam Raimi flick. Quote, did he ever like those films to be bloody? It was enough to make you sick. We'd be shooting a scene and all of a sudden he'd yell, stop, make it more gory. We'd go running out on the set with all this caro syrup and food coloring and we'd just dump it all over the actors. Then we'd film some more and he'd stop uh, stop it again and say, it's still not gory enough. Then we'd throw more blood on them. Well, he's competing with the Bible, mm-hmm. so he's got to match his, Every religion needs to match a certain level of gore just mm-hmm. to keep our interest. I, I just imagine at, him at monitor, and when they nail like how yeah. much blood, he's just going, yes. 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 yes, yes. This will bring Scientology to the masses. Okay, now pour some blood on me. Okay, now we can continue. Get the disguises. <laughs> the movie included a scene where an FBI office was bombed. This was understandably L. Ron Hubbard's favorite part. He jerked off while directing that scene, I imagine. (laughs) He grew a little over-enthusiastic and had so much blood dumped on his actors that their clothing stuck to their bodies and had to be cut off by the wardrobe people. Mm -hmm. Hubbard made up for his general lack of knowledge of how to make movies by being an incredibly persnickety asshole. According to Bareface Messiah, quote, When the Cine Org was shooting in the studio, all the sets had to be cleaned and scrubbed with special soap every morning before Hubbard arrived, and the messengers would go around with white gloves to assure it had been done properly. Hubbard had a director's chair that no one else was allowed to sit in, and as he was walking around the set, a messenger would follow close behind him, ready to put the chair underneath him if he chose to sit down. One unfortunate girl got the positioning wrong by a few inches, and as the Commodore sat down, he missed the chair and sprawled on the floor. Yes, it's a slapstick comedy. (laughs) Until you learn that, like, she was swiftly beaten to death. Yeah, she was was put in Scientology's prison. Of course. That's not real, is it? Yeah, it's real. Oh, Robert. She was tortured, yeah. And, you know, well... It's worth it if the work stands up to the test. That's why we have an Academy Award for cleanest set. That's very key to filmmaking. Wait, is it really? No, no, okay, no. Okay. Yeah. And all this smacks as a Nobel Peace Prize material. <laughs> yeah. I just love that he's like, you know, directing a movie. You keep the set clean. You place the chairs correctly. You have a lot of blood. Yes. Movies. <laughs> movies. <laughs> Now, the numerous stories that Hubbard tried to film all had grand narratives, usually starting at the very beginning of galactic history. One film, The Problems of Life, was about a young couple who felt their existence lacked meaning. They asked for advice from a psychiatrist who was played as a violently insane person. They next asked help from a scientist who was also violently insane. Then they found a Scientologist who was a perfect being of pure contentment. Kima Douglas, an artist and Scientologist who spent time with Hubbard during this period, noted, quote, the trouble was that he wanted to make movies that would take over Hollywood, but they were terrible, really terrible. The crew would have to do scenes over and over again before he was satisfied. Occasionally, the day would end up with a fine, well done, everyone, but more often there were tantrums and he'd storm off the set screaming that it had better be right tomorrow. 
Hold on, Hubbard. Uh, fix it. Fix uh, it. We do don't it better. know how to fix oh. it. More blood. Or more beatings for you all. <laughs> I've got to go have sex surprisingly adroitly. <laughs> this better be a movie when I get back. <laughs> yeah, right. All the while, as L. Ron Hubbard painstakingly acquired roughly the amount of expertise one would receive in the first semester of film school, he was raising money to make revolt in the stars a reality. He succeeded in putting together millions of dollars to make the film and funneled it through a production company called A Brilliant Film Company. Tragically, Hubbard was as bad at running a production company as he was at everything that wasn't infiltrating the federal government. A Brilliant Film Company went bankrupt, and Revolt in the Stars was never more than a few costumes in an unbelievably bad screenplay. I'd still pay a lot to see those I costumes. I would still pay a lot to oh, see yeah. those costumes. <laughs> Someone's got those costumes, you yeah. know. Someone's got... They, they are like religious art, like artifacts now. Yeah. Right. There's yeah. a Church of Scientology where there's a case like you'd see at yeah. Arclight, and yeah. you're like, it's that thing we never made. <laughs> it's that thing and we there's a, And they all still have the blood on them, yeah. and it's still unsure of whether or not it's the fake blood or the real blood from the beatings. <laughs> from and when they cut them out of the clothes. Yeah, yeah. they just stabbed them. <laughs> yeah, you know there were some scissors accidents yeah. on set. In late 1978, a few days after Mary Sue Hubbard and 10 other top Scientologists were indicted for their rampant crimes, L. Ron Hubbard collapsed while filming a very stupid movie in 120-degree heat. He recovered, but it had become abundantly clear to everyone that the ranch in Southern California and the strenuous life of an auteur film director were not suited for the ailing old man. Now, during this time, L. Ron Hubbard continued to receive regular auditing sessions. His auditor was a fellow named Mayo, and Mayo grew increasingly unsettled about the revelations he received from the great prophet of Scientology as he recovered from heatstroke. Quote from Mayo. He revealed things about himself and his past which absolutely contradicted what we'd been told about him. He wasn't taking any great risk because I was a loyal and trusted subject and had a duty to keep such things confidential. It wasn't just what I discovered about his past. I didn't care where he was born or that he, what he had done in the war. It didn't mean a thing to me. I wasn't a loyal Scientologist because he had an illustrious war record. What worried me is that when I saw things he did and heard statements he made that showed his intentions were different from what they appeared to be. When I was with him, messengers often arrived with suitcases full of money, wads of $100 bills. Yet he had always said and written that he never received a penny from Scientology. He would ask to see it. The messenger would open the case and he'd gloat over it for a bit before it was put away in a safe in his bedroom. He didn't really spend much. I guess it was getaway money. I didn't mind the idea of him having money or being rich. I thought he had done tremendous wonders and should be well paid for it. But why did he have to lie about it? I slowly began to realize that he wasn't acting for the public good or for the benefit of mankind. It might have started out like that, but it was no longer so. One day, we were all talking about the price of gold or something like that, and he said to me, very emphatically, that he was obsessed by an insatiable lust for money and power. I'll never forget it. Those were his exact words. An insatiable lust for money and power. Oh. I love yep. gold. I love yeah, gold! Exactly. <laughs> Jesus. Wow. Yeah. Also, because if you're at that level where you're hit the boss's auditor... Mm -hmm. You must have already been exposed repeatedly right. to the fact that the purpose of auditing is not to keep it confidential. The purpose of auditing is to have dirt on people. Right. <laughs> I don't know how this guy didn't walk away with a portion of the gold is what I'm getting at. <laughs> he may have. Hey, guess what, boss? <laughs> yeah. I have a recording now, you idiot. Yeah. You dying old idiot. I think the guy you put in that job is the guy you know is never going to betray you. Right. Yeah. yeah. And he did while Hubbard was alive. Eventually, it seems like he came clear. I'm but, sure it yeah. was a process so all the pieces didn't align, but hearing this quote yeah. now, you're like, if you felt this way then, you could have walked away with a chunk of that gold probably. You could have walked away <laughs> yeah. with one of those suitcases of dirty hundred dollar yeah. bills. Because if there's anything Hubbard's going to respond to, it's blackmail. I yeah. 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 After a couple months of convalescence, Hubbard was healthy enough to get back to directing movies. Naturally, he made his auditor an actor. Quote, 
He walked around with an electric bullhorn, yelling orders e- through it, even if he, the person was only a few feet away. The crew were in a constant state of fear. He'd say he wanted a certain set built and describe it. Everyone would work in a frenzied state to get it done, often through the night, not stopping for meals, and praying it would be right and that they would not get into trouble. When he arrived to begin shooting, the in- he invariably decided he didn't like it. It had been altered. He wanted it blue, not green. Some of the crew would be sent to RPF, Scientology prison, and others would be sent running around trying to find some blue paint. Then he'd want to know why it was blue and not yellow. Have you seen the um, <clears throat> the Star Wars documentary? Yes, Empire Dreams, mm-hmm. where he he can't pronounce his own Gungans, Gungans, <laughs> yeah. Gungans, Gungans. George, you wrote this. You wrote this. <laughs> yeah. Ah, yes, it's also, like poetry. It rhymes. <laughs> there's a weird synergy in the fact. Did you hear about the plot? Lucas released details of the plot he was going to do if he had yeah. done seven, eight, and nine, and it involved. Tiny creatures that live in your blood called the wills. He loves mm. tiny creatures living in your tiny blood. Tiny little I magic know. bugs. Yeah. It's Thetans, dude. Yeah. It would like they are the same. Lucas, now that he is officially, I guess, traded Star Wars to quote white slavers. Um, Not I, totally inaccurate as a description no, of the no. Disney Corporation. Yeah. It doesn't mean that one of them is on the right I side. Just, yeah, think for the good of everyone, he may as well buckle down and make uh, Revolt Among the Stars. Oh, absolutely. I think Lucas is the man to do it. He is. Yeah. The, he's the only man to do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's the only man to finally make Revolt Among the Stars a reality. Yeah. I'm holding Chekhov's Kleenex box in my yeah. hand <laughs> right. to illustrate another ready. point about filmmaking, which is that you should always throw Kleenex at the walls. Yeah! <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, it's like a bullhorn. As, yeah. As Chekhov's tools go, that one didn't, like, stretch the tension out, but sure. It did not. It did not. I didn't go to film school. Yeah. Just you like, gotta do it in like the like yeah. Don't let that stop you. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, exactly. I just, I, we got five more of these Kleenexes that I gotta toss, and I'm starting to realize I may not have that much anger, so mm-hmm. some, mm-hmm. some of these tosses are gonna be less impactful than the others. <laughs> it's all right. Just where we are right now can't not toss them mm-hmm. I promise. they can be sad kleenex tossing boxes sad kleenex all right let's get back to the thing here's mayo again talking about l ron hubbard as a director and being an actor under him quote when i was trying to be an actor i'd have to do the same line over and over again it was never right it was too loud too quiet too intense not intense enough then he'd scream why aren't you doing it enthusiastically he'd end up stamping off screaming that it was all impossible and that no one would do what he said One of the main reasons why he got sick, I think, was that he had so many failures and so much frustration and upset over the movies. Everyone was tiptoeing around waiting for explosions. So, yeah, because this man is someone who just tells people how he wants the world to be, and it just happens. And in filmmaking, they have to, like, create it for themselves. Mm -hmm. They have to act. It's the one thing, like, he gets through his whole life doing that, basically. Right. And it works with his private navy. But it can't right. work with filmmaking, which you is fascinating to me. You can't force the audience to think the movie's entertaining. Yeah. You have to make an entertaining movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nor can you get the thing that's in your head absolutely perfect every time, mm-hmm. like by every performer. So, so, But also as an actor, I mean, come off it, Mayo. Yeah. I had to say the line a bunch of times. That's that's the process of acting for I, film. Y- you get the feeling though that it was like literally for days at a time. Sometimes, yes, yes. and it was like he would just say more enthusiastically, less. Yeah. Like he doesn't know how to direct you. Like he's not yeah. sitting down. Like like look, look, let me walk you through your motivation right. here. You have to understand why it's wrong. He was just shouting, "No, it's not right." For <laughs> well, as love- an example, a very basic rule of directing is it's widely frowned upon. To just say, do this emotion. Like, yeah. that's the yeah. most basic directing right, role. Right, right. So, 
I also love that his notes, some, yeah. his yeah. notes are basically go in a direction, go in the opposite <laughs> yeah. direction. Like these ambiguous definitions of what he wants. That sounds real clear to me. That sounds like a guy with vision. If it, only he had been a YouTube personality and just said, fuck it. I will be all the parts and I will shoot this in oh, my room. He would be a huge <laughs> yeah. hit on YouTube. Oh my God. If, if yeah. he were alive and younger today. For like, sure. That, mm-hmm. that would be, he would own that place. He mm. would be one of those channels you end up on when you're three clicks away from a, a decent, good, God fearing yeah. video. And he would be that convincing. Watch. I'm, I, I'm just going to guess here convincing millions that the Holocaust didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> you see that kind of cultism <laughs> yeah. and tribalism in like Twitch streamers yeah. and stuff. It's pretty. Oh, he would real. be so good at Twitch. He would, he would Twitch he, it he, up. He would be incredible. Yeah. <laughs> now, I do want to note uh, as we as we get to this point that that I think the story, like the fact that L. Ron Hubbard finally failed when he tried to stumble into filmmaking is proof of something important, which is that the U.S. Navy and all navies are a bunch of pansy waste, little 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 wuss factories. Okay, and, okay. And Hollywood is where shit really gets done. Yeah. So suck on it, fucking aircraft carrier <laughs> wimps. We yeah. got our prop guns. Yeah. We're pretty Aimed right close. at you. We're pretty close to the ocean right now, so I'm a little nervous. Yeah. What, are you, what, what are they going to do? They can't make a movie. That's what this proves. Well, we've uh, also infiltrated it, the Coast Guard, much like L. Ron Hubbard. So. Yeah, take it, Coast Guard. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking movies is what's hard. Yeah, that's, that's the real. <laughs> that's, the, that's the message See, here. Not, not, these, not these people have their cushy wars. <laughs> yeah, they're easy jobs on submarines. Right. What's hard is movies. Yeah. Well, that's what we can all agree is what we do is the most important, best The most job. important and the most difficult job. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would like to see anyone in the goddamn Navy toss a fucking Kleenex box. <laughs> see, I expect you to grab that Kleenex box and you grab that one. So now you have to go to jail. Fun fact, all of Hollywood's like dolly industry, the things that move mm-hmm. cameras in space kind yeah. of thing, that was all adopted from Navy uh Technology for putting bombs into Uh-oh. planes. We've been reverse infiltrated by some Navy Son PR of a bitch. mouthpiece. Yes. The hey, Navy? You're in the pocket of Big Navy, aren't you? <laughs> I am. I Big love Navy, the Navy, crucially different from Old Navy. Yes, yes. <laughs> New Navy. <laughs> sorry, Navy. I'm not really that sorry. It's fine. You got boats. You're fine. Now, eventually the stress of running the Senate org and dealing with the brutal California desert climate, as well as his growing fear that the FBI was closing in on him forced L. Ron Hubbard to make what would become his very last move to a tiny farming town called Hemet, California. Oh, boy. I oh. spent lots of time in Hemet. Oh, yeah. Got a nice little lake. Why? Camping. Camping. <laughs> yeah. Well. Around Hemet area. I love camping. Mm-hmm. And you know what else I love? No. Products. Oh. Services. Every time. Just those two things. So no good. other room for love oh, in my life. Oh, boy. Just product and As services. As a comedian, the rule of threes not being fulfilled is going to just kill me this whole break. Yeah. Well, yeah. Too bad. I couldn't get a help third. You out. C- condiments? <laughs> I hope by chance you get a condiment. I, I really I hope I hope it's a condiment you get ad like too. Like Goobers and ad for Goobers peanut butter and jelly in one. Condiments. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won. Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing high five casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Whoa! <laughs> I won again! I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high five moment today? Only at highfivecasino.com. High five casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High five casino. 
Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those, too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin. Be brave in your skin. With Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash, cover your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. Olay Body is a proud sponsor and supporter of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride, raising funds and support for the LGBTQ community. Olay Body wants you to feel empowered to live with confidence in your own skin, not just all month, but all year long. And when you feel the best in your skin, you can do anything. So this pride glow with confidence with the help of Olay Body. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Happy Pride! We're back! So... L. Ron Hubbard moved to Hemet, California in secret. His location was known only to a handful of people within the church. For the next six years, the number of people Hubbard interacted with regularly wouldn't be enough to make up two full baseball teams or basketball teams, whichever one's smaller. I think it's five people on basketball, right? Well, there's on the court. That's on the court. There's more people in baseball teams. There's more people in yes, baseball that's teams. The... That's also way more people than I know. Yeah, exactly. Curling team, I think. A curling <laughs> team. <laughs> now, this life of seclusion and hiding out from justice suited Ron well. According to Barefaced Messiah, quote, although he occasionally threw his food across the room when he believed the cook was trying to poison him, by and large, he was better tempered than he had been when he was trying to make movies. He usually got up about midday, audited himself for an hour, and then dealt with whatever correspondence the messengers had decided he should see. In the afternoons, he devoted several hours to taping lectures and mixing suitable background music. In the evenings, he watched television and reminisced to a small but always attentive audience. Did you say mixing? Aww. Yeah. <clears throat> so he spent all day making playlists and mixtapes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he probably would have edited his own podcast. That's a good like harmless a, old man yeah, yeah. to like, do. That's fine. It's like better a th- cute messiah, yeah. you know? It's better than torturing people in your prison when they right. don't act right. So I, f- filmmaking was the, the that's really, really what cracked the chestnut there. Yeah, it really yeah. opened him up to, you know what, I'm just going to mm-hmm. chill out. Mm-hmm. I also can't believe he doesn't have someone tasting his food ahead of time at this point. I just assumed he'd have the whole royal, like, Groom of the stool to wipe his ass, you yeah. know, yeah. royal food taster to keep the poison out. Right. I want to know what tips him off. Yeah, but if he's got a royal food taster, he doesn't get to throw his food across the room. Well, he could and have. As I've you proved just with have these boxes. Like, you have Kleenex boxes. Well, yeah. I, I do have tossing food. Yeah, you I, make I, a plate for yourself and a plate to toss. I throw food at Sophie when things aren't the way that I want Robert them. is filling a Kleenex box with food. He's just shoving <laughs> it, it full of food. Yeah. That's going to be tough to clean up when Sophie gets back. Yeah. We only have three left. We'll leave it for her. We'll leave it for her. Pace she yourself. loves it. Pace she yourself. does love it. <laughs> yeah. 
David Mayo was a member of Hubbard's small, attentive audience in the nights. He recalled many evenings with the Commodore, playing hillbilly songs on his guitar and lying about the years he'd spent as a troubadour in Appalachia. Yeah, I think he was making up the songs as he went along. Afterwards, everyone clapped. Yes. <laughs> Hell wow. yes. I desperately want to hear some of L. Ron Hubbard's that's, improvised hillbilly just, songs. I wanted to see that live. You yeah, get, there's no replacement that, for that. that. There's nothing that could have that's possibly... That's your YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. is Unplugged. L. Ron yeah. Hubbard <laughs> pretending to be a hillbilly singing random songs. Hey, y'all. Uh, <laughs> hey, y'all. <laughs> hey, y'all. Uh, Lil Nas X, help me out. <laughs> Zeno's coming to get you. <laughs> On the days when he went into town, Hubbard would wear a variety of absurd disguises. A baseball cap with fake hair sewn onto it, stage makeup to alter the shape of his face, normal, false normal. eyebrows and sideburns. Normal. Hubbard was convinced he looked like a local. No one else thought this. <laughs> Thankfully, the internet did not exist, and so no one in Hemet recognized him either. For six years, Hubbard's location was kept perfectly secret from the law, the government, and even his own wife and children. Gradually, he pared down the number of Scientologists allowed to be around him. David Miscavige, his former messenger and also at one point a cameraman, was often the only person in direct contact with L. Ron Hubbard. Do you know if he worked on the movies? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what okay. he was doing. He Good. Was, yeah. Was, okay. The, like, that's part Bring of why- Bring in the guy who knows anything. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I need cameramen. Hey, guy who used to be like a, a, production a messenger. A now you're a cameraman. Yeah. 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 Later, if you could beat some other guys up in a room, I yeah. guess you can have this. Yeah. That's Isn't real, that what happened with Muscovich? We'll, we'll talk about story. Muscovich okay, later. Okay. Yeah. He needs his own episode. He needs his own three-parter, probably, mm. to be honest. Mm -hmm. Now, Hubbard did continue sending letters to David Mayo, his beloved auditor. Mayo recalls these letters growing more and more unhinged as the months turned into years of isolation. Quote, in the first paragraph of one letter, he said something like, you might think I've gone crazy, but I'm still okay. Just believe what I say is true. I remember thinking, God, whatever's coming must be pretty weird. It was they called me mad and <laughs> said on the outside of the envelope. Here we That's go. why I got worried. Yeah. It was real demented stuff, berating psychiatrists and claiming they were the root of all evil, not just on this planet, but since time immemorial. <laughs> he had figured out that back at the beginning of the universe, psychiatrists created evil on a particular star system. When I read through it, I thought, my God, he is crazy. He can exhort me to think he's not crazy, but this letter belies it. Oh, uh, I thought you were going to end with like... What a classy way to say shit is crazy, this is dude. fucking nuts. <laughs> I thought you were going to go with like, yeah, this is kind of crazy because like, who made the scientists? Yeah, who made <laughs> yeah, the yeah. Psychiatrist, psychiatrist invented evil yeah, in the beginning, at the beginning of time. It's wish... always got be to be the beginning of time. I <laughs> wish we could know his the origin of that. Yeah. I feel like he must have at some point in his life had one therapy session where he went, yeah, I'm a little blue. And they were like, you're a piece of shit. And he was like, well, I hate this. I, I hate psychiatry. Like, who hurt you, like, yeah. little Elrond? I, I will say that his hatred of psychiatrists is more proof that, like, as a man, even though he didn't spend that much time here, he was the living embodiment of Los Angeles. Sure, like, yeah. like, like yeah. this city in a single man. Out of touch with all realities. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Completely in Very hungry for power. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of a just, terrible place to live. It's yeah. so specific and consistent. Like, it rubbed off on Tom Cruise. He did that appearance where he famously was psychiatry as evil. Mm -hmm. That It's such a core tenet, and I don't know of any other religion that's like, also, the Lord saith, screw 
chiropractors. <laughs> like we hate them. It's so. Oh like, no, Buddhism's really anti-chiropractic. <laughs> really. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, that, it's a hard uh, line. That, <laughs> that poem Ozymandias, where yeah. it's like because Los Angeles itself is kind of a testament to that. They're yeah. like, let's make a metropolis where in the desert. Yeah, <laughs> and let's where put you don't make twenty things. million people there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do we how do we plan for this? Don't plan. We'll <laughs> no, make it up as no we go. No planning. Okay, but we should at least have a network of trams and trolleys and no. 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 How do we... <laughs> one car for every person? Okay, so how now... do we get water? Yeah. We just steal it from this other state. <laughs> yeah. Let's now, take now, it from North people. Now everyone in the town's feeling alienated and isolated by the plight of modern man. Well, they should pay us. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> yeah. we yeah. can fix that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we cures what ails you. Yeah. Now. By 1982, Lafayette Run Hubbard's uh, letters to David Mayo revealed a growing obsession with death. The Commodore was 71 years old, in poor health, and as crazy as a bat on acid. Uh, Hubbard was still canny enough to know that he had exactly one great achievement left in him. L. Ron Hubbard was going to write the greatest science fiction series of all time. The first entry in the new saga would be Battlefield Earth. Oh, Hell yeah. A saga of good. the year 3000. Uh, Starting Baby Pepper. Yeah. Cut to him typing Firefly Pilot. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you telling me That's right why now? there's only one season. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Hubbard had not published a sci-fi story in more than 30 years at that point. Battlefield Earth was a sprawling 800-page epic. He declared it the longest science fiction book ever written, which might actually have been true at the time. I, I really have no who idea. Who cares? Yeah. What is that as a yeah, name? That's yeah. not a determiner the of quality. most of it. <laughs> that, that is believable, though, because one thing all around Hubbard can do is write incredibly long books yes. and yeah. never edit them. Not true. for a second. This is yeah. his Finnegan's Wake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, as a sci-fi short story buff, just for the record... All of his short stories are mediocre. Yeah. Like he wasn't an amazing sci-fi short story. He was writer. an adequate short story writer. <laughs> yeah, adequate. Some in, are in adequate. In an age in which you'd buy a book that had 40 of them mm-hmm. for a penny. And that's what entertainment was. Yeah. He was like a mediocre Netflix series that you put. Like that's what his science fiction was. Because like those those little like magazines that would be full of stories were like Netflix. Some yes. of them you get some Arthur C. Clarks and it's like Asimov, Bojack Horseman or right. whatever and it's brilliant. And a lot of them are L. Ron Hubbard, which is like which I don't know, the cake topping show or whatever. They were almost always like Flash Gordon. Like he yeah. never had a grand sci-fi concept. He put a cowboy in space and had yeah. him do cool shit. Yeah. 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 This yeah. is heresy. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I've turned. I looked out the window and I've gone clear. <laughs> don't say that about L. Ron Hubby. Elrond. So, uh, the plot of Battlefield Earth was as dumb as it was shitty. Johnny Goodboy Tyler, the protagonist, was one of the last human beings on Earth after an alien invasion destroyed civilization. In the thousand years since, mankind regressed to a feral Stone Age level of development, while the evil aliens who now ruled the world mined it for its resources. Hubbard's ego demanded that Battlefield Earth be an instant hit. Thankfully, he had the resources of one of the world's wealthiest cults at his beck and call. The Church of Scientology bought 50,000 copies of the book at launch and also poured millions into a PR campaign aimed at making it go viral. Scientologists were ordered to buy two or three copies each at minimum. Battlefield Earth was just the prelude to Mission Earth, a 1.2 million word epic Hubbard intended to release in 10 parts. Yeah, 1.2 million words. And that has been written? Oh, yeah. Okay, or I was like... Was he like pointing at the stands, calling his shot? Like, yeah. The sequel, by the way, one point two million he, words. He did that and then wrote it, <laughs> and then did it. Yeah, like it, for, for some for some 
reference, I think Lord of the Rings trilogy at the top that has about four hundred thousand words total, something yeah. somewhere in that so ballpark. Three Lords so of the three Rings. Lord of the Rings and trilogies. And you mean the entirety of the Lord? Yeah. So three Lord of the Rings trilogies. trilogies. Yeah, wow. and yeah. We never think about how much goddamn time this guy spent in front of a typewriter. He, yeah. he that's one thing that is not he a did lie. Right? He wrote like <laughs> yeah. fucking crazy. Yeah. At the end, it just says "Screw Flanders" over and over. <laughs> So, um, Hubbard actually wrote this monstrosity, or at least dictated it to someone else. We don't really know. But tragically, he did not live to see it released in its entirety. On January 19th, 1986, L. Ron Hubbard sent out his last command, Flag Order Number 3879, the Sea Org and its future. In this order, the Commodore promoted himself to Admiral, published a glossy photo of himself in a new uniform, and, about five days later, died. He did not die alone, but he was not surrounded by his friends or family either. His doctor and lawyer were the only ones present. Everything about his death was handled with the utmost secrecy, but the church could not stop the coroner from looking at the body. The inquest found a bandage on his right butt cheek covering ten fresh needle marks. It also found traces of hydroxine in his blood. The drug is most often prescribed as an anti-anxiety and anti-neurotic medication. In other words, a psychiatric medication. Mm. The church steadfastly rejected the idea that L. Ron Hubbard had died with psychiatric medicine in his system. They claimed that he took the medication as an antihistamine, which... Sure, guys. Yeah. Absolutely. His butt gets famously congested. (laughs) His butt gets real congested. (laughs) L. Ron Hubbard was having antihistamine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In a phone interview with the San Luis Obispo New Times, church spokesman Tommy Davis insisted, he didn't take it as a psychiatric medication. That's all. It's one of those things that anti-scientologists want to make an issue about. And we're like, yeah, whatever. And to emphasize the anger Tommy Davis (laughs) expressed to the newspaper, I'm going to throw another... I'll throw yeah. one of these. Yeah! Oh, that one is good. They were all going like he abused millions of people, and we're like, Shh, as if. Yeah. <laughs> as, whatever. <laughs> whatever. The rank and file of Scientology were informed of their prophet's death, death three days later, on January 27th. David Miscavige addressed 1,800 Scientologists at the Hollywood Palladium Theater. He told them this. At 2,000 hours, Friday 24th, January 1986, L. Ron Hubbard discarded the body he had used in this lifetime for 74 years, 10 months, and 11 days. The body he had used to facilitate his existence in this universe had ceased to be useful and, in fact, had become an impediment to the work he now must do outside its confines. The being we knew as L. Ron Hubbard still exists, although you may feel grief. Understand that he did not and does not now. He simply moved on to his next step. LRH, in fact, used this lifetime and body we knew to accomplish what no man has ever accomplished. He unlocked the mysteries of life and gave us the tools so we could free ourselves and our fellow men. Wow. P.S. He did some self-auditing, <laughs> and he found out he's even better than he thought he was, so he's an admiral <laughs> he's now. He's an admiral now. <laughs> so, you, I could not think of the Hudsucker. Yeah. Right. Do you know this, the Hudsucker proxy scene? Sure, sure. Yeah. At 6.04, wearing Hudsucker, merged with, with the, the infinite. infinite. <laughs> That is a punch-up. He should have said merged with the infinite. Well, he did leave us with a a little bit of a a eulogy to himself. Mm. Because, of course... It can't be finished with it. Yeah, L. Ron Hubbard wasn't going to let someone else get the last word. He wrote all the things. There's nothing he couldn't have written that wasn't written. And the elegy he chose was a song called Thank You for Listening from an album of Scientology songs titled The Road to Freedom. Are we going to listen to it? Yeah. We are going to hear L. Ron Hubbard himself Yes. Sing a motherfucking song. Oh, uh, dude! This Please is gonna... don't tell me he can fuck and has a voice like an angel. I <laughs> hope this is a doesn't. bop, dude. Oh I hope this is a bop. All right, friends. Without further ado, <laughs> the voice of L. Ron Hubbard. The boss. Yeah, music's a 
original oh, boss. <laughs> Everybody. Yeah. Nice bridge. Bringing us in. Bringing us in. Oh, goddamn. Thank you <laughs> yes. for listening. Fuck yes. Yes, I'm right. I just for you. <laughs> but others hearing this <laughs> may find things they would argue. Like a dinosaur in a children's cartoon. I do not sing what I believe. I only give them fact. If they believe quite otherwise, it still will have him. Yeah! I love this song! Yeah! Except if you listen to the lyrics, they're bad shit in the Of course they are. I'm gonna toss a Kleenex box. Yeah! yeah! Hit the roof! There are also no real instruments on this song. This That's is like not a one. Yeah. Karaoke band. Imagine it all listening to this yeah. at a funeral. For truth is truth, and if they then <laughs> decide to live with lies. Oh, That's their concern, not mine, my friend. They're free to fantasize. Loves them low line. It sounds like if the full house theme were about how you all should have believed me, you're all going to suffer now. (laughs) This is, these are the notes to the full house. Yeah. A lot of musical interludes well, in between the vocals. He's, yeah. he's breakdancing during yeah. this part. <laughs> he's, got a, he's got two guitars on him and he's doing a solo right now. Surprisingly good at breakdancing and fucking. <laughs> really way too much instrumentals. So much. Okay. Oh. Now, so that we we can't get in trouble with copyright concerns, let's discuss l- l- linguistically, yes, lyrically, sure. musically, because mm-hmm. you're both musicians, right? Yes. Yeah. You're a rapist. Too much less. Oh, that's you're, true. Yeah, that's you're true. a rapist, and you're, you're part of Cody's band, right? Yeah, yeah. I consider it Cody's band, but I don't know that it is. Mm, he yeah. just, uh-huh, uh-huh. It's more like guys just showing up and... Which makes which makes you as qualified as L. Ron Hubbard to talk yeah, about music. Yeah, yeah, so that, exactly. Yeah. Well, I've let's, always let's wanted to put this. this on the public record. Mm-hmm. I was kicked out of that band. <laughs> no, yeah, that, no that, further that comment. That's, but that's true. That's scans. <laughs> yeah, so Cody's band. Cody yeah. He is he is a prima donna, yeah. and yeah. Uh, we'll be listening to this episode. And uh, I want him to record my version of this song once I get a cult going. Well, I was in charge of... Let's cover this song. Let's cover this song. I was in charge of cleaning the rehearsal rooms, and the guys with the white gloves were not pleased. (laughs) They kicked me out of there. So, Michael, your thoughts on uh, on Thank You for Listening and on L. Ron Hubbard's voice. Let's start with your thoughts on his voice. Uh, Abe already stole the... Like, Abe gave me the image that's stuck in my mind, which... Yeah, it's like Barney the Dinosaur <laughs> singing to kids, but instead of teaching them how to wash their hands, he's saying, you're all living in a deluded fantasy world, children. Soon you'll get sick from this. Do you understand? But <laughs> Listen to my sweet candy. 
the free to fantasize. Yeah, it also yeah. sounds like the guy in a barbershop quartet who's only there to hit the low note yeah. at the end to go, oh, baby. Yeah. And they're like, the three other guys didn't show up. Yeah. You got to sing the middle and high part. It's not a barbershop quartet. I'll do quartet. my best. There's not a shot of that guy who hits that low note and everyone goes, oh, yeah, that yeah. low note part of the song. <laughs> God, Abe, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, mine went immediately to the instrumentation because it's it's just it's shouting something <laughs> yeah. immediately, like uh, from the get go. It's the horns, like you were saying, Michael. They're like clearly fake horns. Like yeah. someone got like my brother's Casio <laughs> and is doing like French horn on it. I bet they somehow fucked that up though. I bet they actually recorded because he had money, right? He had so, so much money. So I've never heard a recording that probably was recorded on actual instruments. And because they're so bad at recording, like they're bad at filmmaking, they're very similar. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a MIDI version. Uh, and you know how yeah. I like MIDIs, Michael. Yes. MIDIs are my favorite. The Boys Are Back in Town is your favorite track. That's my it's mm-hmm. the MIDI it's better than the original. Mm-hmm. The MIDI versions. <laughs> but I wish I, or maybe it was. I mean, if this was studio musicians he hired, what a I great thing to be on a fly on the wall for. He, he clearly could have afforded it. I feel like he didn't just because he was so scared that everyone was trying to murder him or secretly the FBI, which sure. is why he didn't just like hire a real production company to make yeah. his movie. It had yeah. to all be done in-house by Scientologists. Right. And AR-15 can fit in a guitar case. So yeah. he's like, no musicians, no. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. I, I, that every there's so many moments in this this journey that we've yeah. been taking <laughs> where it's just I want to know what that guy who is just told all right so you have to learn how microphones work and he's <laughs> like uh, I my last job was I worked at McDonald's yeah. you know like I or no in the clue. lot of cases I was a heart surgeon like oh, this is true, not yeah. at all my area <laughs> right I have no clue how to do this well it's gonna have to be perfect or what <laughs> he'll beat you yeah you'll wind up in the torture prison <laughs> we have yeah. I also I, well I guess I signed up and gave money for this <laughs> I do feel like killing myself after listening to it that must mean it's the best song it yeah, must be it's the best it's ever the song, song version of Excalibur <laughs> yeah it's it's so weird to me that a guy could, who could manipulate the emotions of millions of people and strike at something core in us, which is just, you know, like the hook to Scientology yeah. is, yeah, your life is a mess, and they offer enough that seems believable at the base level that it hooks millions of people in, and yet he doesn't understand tone at all. <laughs> like, it's the bizarre, the lyrics are ominous, and the music is like... Scientology is the soda that will finally refresh you, yeah. unlike all other right. sodas. He doesn't like get how to manipulate people's emotions, and yet he does. Obviously. And yet he does. Obviously, he gets it. Yeah. I will. I did want to point out that he was only like pitchy. He was pitchy a lot less than I expected. Yeah, he was pitchy maybe one or tw- once or twice. He like flubbed a note, but. I mean, he's got mediocre pipes. Is yeah. what I'm saying. The main Thoroughly thing, mediocre pipes. Yeah. The main thing that made it sound bad, I thought, was that he cut every yeah, word. Yeah. It yeah. sounds like the melody line's like f- falling down the stairs. You know, I know exactly what that is. It's called a noise gate, and they probably had it set <laughs> too, high, high. too high. It just, because they don't know what's going on. Right. So they just, anytime the microphone is like, oh, there's no signal, it just cut. There's no it, tail. Yeah, it's a bunch of lawyers and spies <laughs> trying to work audio equipment. Right. Also, if it's the noise gate is. was off on this track between every line, you'd hear him go, oh. 
Yeah. <laughs> when he like breathes in yeah. as a 71-year-old <laughs> crypt keeper. Guessing on one last breath evil. of air. Because any moment <laughs> is the final one. Call me the Commodore. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think that's our legally mandated commentary over that song. Yeah, fair use. Right fair to use. satire. And you know what I have to say about fair use? Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna chuck my last Kleenex box. Yeah! Ah! That's number ten, baby. Skyward. Well, the floor is covered in throw-in bagels and throw-in boxes of Kleenex. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of torn up pieces of earlier scripts that I read earlier. What fun. I dropped the top of my water bottle on the ground. Mm-hmm. I wanted to help out. Thank you. We always leave it a mess because I'm a problem, like L. Ron mm-hmm. Hubbard. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And once this show takes off enough, I will absolutely buy a compound in Southern California <laughs> yes. and force Can people I to come? make movies. Well, yeah, I, yeah. I assume I'll be your lead movie maker guy. No, 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 no. Oh, no, I have You'll to be, be a piloting heart boats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Just Navy guys I bring into the cult, yeah. they'll be making the movies. <laughs> I assume you started this show to have a big track record, educate everyone on mm-hmm. people way worse than stuff you plan to do later. So they know it's not so bad. Or I might try to take it to the nth level. No mm, way to sure. know. I didn't finish Wild Wild Country, but I'm I'm on board with creating a cult city in the middle of nowhere. I, I really want to see what your battlefield earth is. Oh, yeah. I want to know what you think happened right at the beginning of the universe I wish and how could, it relates to you. Still I wish, psychiatrists. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Still psychiatrists. I wish we could get cults to just assemble Make a movie based on their leave, uh, beliefs and then disassemble. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to yeah. see all of them. I wish all movies were made by cults. Mm-hmm. In yes, a way they are. In a way, <laughs> it is propaganda. All of it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's hmm. what Orwell would have said. It's true. Yeah. Including this. Well, yeah. I mean, this is absolutely propaganda aimed at getting me a compound somewhere in the Northwest <laughs> and a religion. Get indoctrinated people. <laughs> yeah. With just a giant glowing Dorito on yeah. a spindle that yeah. turns oh, slowly. Yeah, right. A glowing Dorito on Filming a spindle. Filming everyone at all and, times. Uh, and, and, and turrets of <laughs> bagels. <laughs> Dry bagels. <laughs> oh. That's, your cult would be nice because if you fuck up the set or Robert changes his mind, he wanted it blue, now he wants it green, he just throws a bagel at your head. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it could be worse. And also, I will throw bagels a lot. A also, lot if you're hungry, just eat the compound because yeah. it's made yeah. of bagels and chips. Big real rat problem. Yeah, we got, oh, yeah. You got your five rat quota already <laughs> met within three seconds. And they, of they're huge. In. They <laughs> eat so many they're, carbs. They're, they're all <laughs> these, bagel, rats. these bagel-fed rats are becoming too strong, Robert. They're threatening to overtake the compound. <laughs> Somebody's been feeding them whey protein <laughs> so they've been working out as well so they're like swole nervous rats in your compound oh, well uh, we found a dead rat with a bunch of puncture needles in its butt we think it's the rat you yeah. we think they have a cult also, now also the rat has a t-shirt that says the Joe Rogan podcast <laughs> we're fucked we're so fucked oh god oh god okay um <laughs> Plugs, pluggables. Yeah, yeah. We uh, both he and I, Michael Swain and Abe Epperson, uh, we have a, a little thing called uh, Small Beans, which you can see on Patreon. We do videos and podcasts ourselves, and there's a, a bunch of other great podcasts on that network. Uh, you can access it from by going to uh, Patreon 
dot com slash small beans mm. and uh yeah we're, we're doing another show i don't know we said this last episode i can't even remember oh yeah oh, it's yeah. the double down in case you only wanted to hear about the last part of the last part of l ron hubbard's life yeah we're launching a new show called off hours that is uh gonna be basically the whole production team are people who used to work at a site called cracked and now uh, what was what was what was that was that, uh, was that a forgot. site? It was a napkin fulfillment site. You know, they like would yeah. refill all the yeah, paper yeah, towels yeah. and soap dispensers. Um, but they also ran a web series. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and similarly, uh, a lot of people who worked on that show are now working on our new show called Off Hours, which will involve four friends sitting around talking about pop culture. Well, that's uh, legally distinct. Legally distinct and a good antidote for Behind the Bastards yes. if it gets you down. Come listen to some mindless bullshit that we won't find out for 20 years was actually evil. Yeah. Movie, your, your cult yeah. gets going. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's get that cultural dipstick well, going. Everybody build a cult. <laughs> All right. We for sure are. <laughs> yeah. We for sure that are. That shut us up. Yeah, we are like, Everybody oh Everybody no. build a cult. Okay, I'm leaving. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, this has been Behind the Bastards. I've been Robert Evans. My uh, Twitter, Instagram, at BastardsPod. Website, BehindTheBastards.com. T-shirts, Public. I have another podcast. It could happen here. It's sad. Goodbye. <laughs> the following is a high five moment from HighFiveCasino.com. Welcome to would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won! Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing High Five Casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! I won again! I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your High Five moment today? Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those, too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Calm.